The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. Rainmaker FM is brought to you by Digital Commerce Institute. Do you want to build the business of your dreams without squandering time and money, stumbling around to find the right path, or making unnecessary mistakes? The market is ready and waiting for you, but that doesn't mean it's gotten any easier. Digital Commerce Institute is here to change that. Go to digitalcommerce.com and get the training, education, and community you need to start building your digital business the right way. That's digitalcommerce.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers, from online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Calgary, writer, podcaster, and mediophile. And each week, we'll discover how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. Prolific international best-selling author-preneur Mark Dawson dropped by this week to talk about self-publishing versus traditional publishing and the productivity hacks that have helped him to publish over 23 books. Mr. Dawson's multiple thriller series and self-publishing savvy have helped him to build a vast, hungry audience of readers and unparalleled levels of success. In addition to international bestsellers and stellar ratings from fans, Mark has become an indie author advocate and online marketing authority for writers. Join us for this two-part interview. And if you missed the first half, you can find it on writerfiles.fm and in the show notes. In part two of the file, Mark Dawson and I discuss how an 80s TV show can inspire your writing, why great writers have to understand story first, how to write page-turning fiction, why you should leave out the parts that readers skip, and the best practices for new writers. So um, I'd love to just pick your brain a little bit about your creativity, creativity in general. Can you uh, give us your kind of definition of creativity? I suppose for me, it's probably, it's, it's, it's the ability to take something, to, to ferment an idea in your mind and then to distill that uh, into a medium that you can pass to, you know, potentially a limitless number of readers. Uh, so building, world building, creating characters from, from fresh air that are credible, uh, that can have conversations. I suppose when, when creativity is working at, at its best for me, there's that, I think it's John Cheever who said, um, 
writing creatively is is the equivalent of taking a cross country trip um, when you don't know you haven't got a map. Um, you've got you know your starting point and you know your destination, and all you can see is is the the road that's lit up by your by your headlights, and you just have to kind of pick your way between point A and point B. And you know, the, the, that's the journey. That's 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 kind of a good summary of the creative process when I'm writing a novel or sort of long form fiction. But yeah, it would be something along those lines. It's just kind of taking something that, I, that exists in an abstract form in my mind and then kind of making it um, something that other people can enjoy. Hmm. And well, aside from kind of getting out into nature and and uh, getting out and and taking a deep breath and taking a run. Do you have any um, creative muses at the moment? Not, I probably do, um, but maybe ones that are just kind of operating deep in the background that I might not be uh, completely aware of. Um, so, I mean, the, the, the series that I am most well known for is the Milton books. Um, that would be the kind of the big inspiration for that is the equalizer. And that's, that's not the Denzel Washington film, although I don't think that's terrible. Um, <laughs> it's the, it's the Edward Woodward's um, NBC show from the eighties. Um, mm, I remember which I, that. Yeah, man, it's great. And it's still, I, I, mean, I saw it the other day and I, I watch it occasionally just to kind of refresh the creative well. And, and it holds up quite well. It's really, um, it's gritty and, you know, got a really great, Stuart Copeland theme song and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it holds up pretty well. So there'll be that. Um, I love thing. I love Tarantino. Um, so um, my Beatrix Rose series, which is the one that Amazon um, purchased, uh, spin off from the Milton books. That is is pretty. Um, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that is that's inspired very much by Kill Bill. <laughs> um, you know, I love I love those two films, especially the first one. So that's slightly more high octane than the Milton books. Um, a lot of action, whereas Milton's a little bit more kind of contemplative. Um, Rose tends to, you know, doesn't really think about things. She just kind of blows shit out, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so those, I, mean, I go back to those again and again. Um, and music too, I and mean, I, I listen to a lot of Nine Inch Nails when I'm writing. Uh, I think Trent Reznor is a genius, so uh, that would be something that I, is a touchstone for me. Yeah. Um, and, and especially this, the stuff he does for film, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo and... Uh, the social networks of those those kinds of um scores are, are very evocative for me um and other film music so um I'm trying to think what else I've, I've been listening to things like daft punk i quite like the the tron soundtrack i was listening to today hmm. and yeah. and stuff you know i can write to i can write some music with lyrics so i'll listen to a bit of foo fighters maybe um heavier stuff usually um um or, or just kind of white noise or classical music i usually have something going on i don't i don't write in silence um and i'll i'll be kind of riffing off that that kind of stuff all the time nice nice yeah i did kind of skip over that question because you mentioned the white noise but that's good to know I'm, i am also a huge fan of trent reznor's film soundtracks and that social network soundtrack i can listen to over and over again mm-hmm. uh as kind of background so that's cool to know Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow, mercy is the bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. 
The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders. And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. So what do you think, um, in your opinion, makes a writer great? Well, yeah, that's, I think I'm kind of, that, that my answer to that would change over time. So when I, when I was originally, um, published back way back when in you know, 2000, um, I was desperate to be Martin Amis or desperate to be, um, Will Self, who's, may not be quite as well-known in the States as he is over here, but he's kind of a bit like Martin Amos. So writing those kind of really perfect sentences that fizzed, amazing language. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to win awards and, be, and for people to go, like, I can't believe how, uh, you know, how great a writer he was. So, but then over, over time, I, I, I kind of, uh, the agent I was with at the time had a writer called Matthew Reed, who um, is an Australian guy, writes kind of Custler-type thrillers and I wasn't selling a huge amount of those those first two books but I hardly sold any um, and so I thought what I'm going to do now in I'm going to take a couple of months and I'm going to write a book just like Matthew Riley um, yeah Matthew Riley not Matthew Reed and because um, I thought this guy he's, he's a bit of a hack um, his sentences aren't great they don't it's not you know it's not impressive writing but the thing I took away from that is I, com- I was a complete idiot and just underestimated how difficult it is to write propulsive page turning fiction that you can't put down. Hmm. Um, and that is, he can do that. He, he can do that in spades. And that's why he sells, he was selling, you know, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of copies of books maybe. Um, and, and these days, um, that is what I, I aspire to do. So my, my kind of publishing company is called Unputdownable Limited. And mm-hmm. that's one of the things I, I love most of all. And this happens, the first time it happened, I couldn't really believe it. But I started getting more and more emails from readers who said, um, you know, you are a bastard, Mark. Because I started to read this book at half 12 at night for, you know, half an hour. And then I put it down at four in the morning and I've got to go to work the next day. So that is <laughs> super high praise. And, you know, these days... That's a really long way of answering the question, but my kind of what is a you know a great writer now is is someone who can present um, a story to a reader in such a fashion that they they can just completely lose themselves in the narrative. Um, it's something that I'm I'm getting better at doing. I think I've got you know much more work to do, but that that for me is what I aim for most of the time these days. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, do you have a couple um, go-to authors that you, that you're reading presently, or? Any favorites you want to mention? 
I tend when I'm writing, I tend to um, read nonfiction most of the time because I I'm slightly hesitant, and this is not such a big problem as it was when I started writing. But I'm slightly hesitant to read other um, writers, especially ones with strong authorial voices, because um, it's quite easy. Most writers can be quite like magpies, and it's easy to um, <laughs> be influenced by someone else's style. Um, I think once you've got maybe a couple of million words. Um, under your belt, it's. I'm more confident in my voice now, and, and and how I structure sentences and paragraphs and the white space and all all that kind of stuff. I'm more confident in in, in myself and my ability to do that. But um, I I was certainly reluctant to do that in the early days. But yeah, so I, I I'll, I'll read a lot of nonfiction depending on what I'm researching. So um, I'm trying to think what I'm reading right now because actually I'm not reading too much right now because the, the the Milton book I'm writing is set. Mm. Um, Near, near to where I am at the moment, um, so I know most of the stuff. I don't have to do too much. A bit of nonfiction. There was, um, you, I, I doubt you've heard about this, but there was uh, a district in London called Hatton Garden, which is where uh, the jewel district, the jewelry district, and diamonds and stuff. Mm-hmm. There's a really well known uh, in this country um, jewel heist about six months ago, hmm. where they broke into a safety deposit vault and um, kind of drilled through the walls and all that kind of stuff. So that that forms. Well, my take on that forms a central, uh, the central crux of the Milton book that I'm doing now. So I've been reading a lot of journalism on on that case, which is in court at the moment. Um, but I mean, apart from that, I, I'll kind of authors I will read. Uh, Doug Copeland, I love um, read a lot of, mm. of of his work. Lee Child, I think, is is um, very very impressive writer in in that kind of you know you can't put it down category. Perhaps not quite at, at, at his best at the moment. The last couple of Reacher books, maybe not quite as good as the as the ones before, but still a, a completely you know, eminently readable um, and impressive writer. Um, I think other kind of indie writers. I'm a big fan of Russell Blake, um, who um, he and I are kind of hanging out in the around about the same level. He's, he writes a series called Jet, which is is great fun. Hugh Howie, um, big fan of Hugh Howie, The Martian. I love. You know, there's there's so much good stuff these days, mm-hmm. and and coming from all different angles, so not necessarily you know traditionally published. Um, some absolutely amazing indie writers coming out of left field with fantastic new ideas, different ways to tell stories. Yeah, just a really it's a great time to be a writer and a reader at the moment. Well put. Do you have a best loved quote kind of hanging over your desk somewhere? I don't, but. Uh, one I like, I'm going to I'm going to butcher this, but it's Stephen King, who he's got like a, a an awful lot of quotes of this kind of um, oh Elmore Leonard. There's another great writer I love. Anyway, Stephen King um, says something like, "If you need to, if you need to look the word up in a thesaurus or a dictionary, it's the wrong word, and there are no exceptions to this rule," which is is absolutely um, spot on. And mm-hmm. the other one, thinking of Elmore. Um, uh, don't write the bits that readers skip or mm-hmm. cut the bits that readers skip. That's really, really strong advice. Mm-hmm. Kind of, you know, had his take on kill your darlings. Um, you know, if, if you're not into reading, if you don't, you don't want to, you don't want anything to slow the narrative down. So if, if there's a, if there's a bit where um, readers slow up or they stop reading, they put the book down at that point, then you need to, that needs to go. You need to you know cut that bit out. Even if it's got, your best sentences, uh, the, you know, the paragraph that you're most proud of, if it's not serving the, the purpose of getting readers to turn the pages, then it shouldn't be in the book. Um, and so that has to come out. So any, any kind of variations on those quotes are, are ones that I would, I'd, I'd be subscribing to. Well, if you have time, I got a couple of fun ones for you. 
Yeah, you sure, yeah. Okay. I don't want to keep you too long, but I have a feeling I know the answer to this one too. Paper <laughs> or ebook? Yeah, probably ebook. Um, and but not exclusively. And I was slow to I was slow to make the change. So I was pretty late to see in seeing the potential of the Kindle. Because I was always my thing with books is I love it's not so much the feeling of them, although that's amazing. It's the smell of them. I love the smell of bookshops and and you know, I love a a fresh book where you can crack the spine and then and then smell it. That's such an evocative um sensation that takes me back to to reading. I I read so much when I was a kid. Um, it just takes me back really, really easily to to being a child again, reading books. Um so I was probably like three years kind of late to the party when it came to Kindles. And I was one of those kind of Luddites who were, you know, this you can't read like this. It's not good. It's, it's not the same thing. It's bad on the eyes. All that kind of stuff that is, is you know, we know that now is patently not true. <laughs> and I, I am converting now. So, you know, we went to Tenerife not too long ago for a family break. And six years ago, I would have had 12 books in my suitcase and I would have had to pay extra on the luggage with the flight and everything. Whereas, of course, these days you can have, you know, 600 books on your, on your, you know, basic level Kindle mm-hmm. um, and, you know, never and just, you know, slip in your pocket, which is, is fabulous. So, yeah, I, I, I'm kind of more ebook now, but there's, there'll always be a, a place um, on my shelf for, for proper books, normal books. <laughs> well, I have a feeling that Amazon would take your suggestion if you if you offered to consult on a uh, an odor that would be emitted by the the Kindle itself <laughs> yeah. as you crack the uh, spine of the ebook. I think we should probably patent that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> okay. there's a lot of money to be made. There. I'll cut that out, and we'll talk later. <laughs> um, so, do you have a favorite literary character of all time? James Bond, maybe, um, or Sherlock Holmes. Probably Sherlock Holmes, I'd say. I mean, I, I loved those books when I was when I was growing up. Um, or you know, or you, you could pick like any one of Dickens's characters. Yeah, it would be it would be certainly not a kind of contemporary fictional character. It would be some someone from like the eighteen nineties or you know, or, or Bond. Yeah, that the kind of proper Bond. The, although you, although saying that, reading him these days, reading Fleming these days, you realise what a misogynist he was and, and not a not a particularly nice guy and Bond Bond too is is not the not really a role model. Um but just a you know a very um iconic character that is is quite difficult to get away from. So if you could choose an author from any era to do an all expense paid dinner, hang out your favorite spot, who would you choose and where do you think you'd take them? Dickens, probably. I'm pretty sure because, you know, just looking at um, kind of what he did in terms of different ways of, of obviously he wasn't a forerunner, but kind of a really popular writer during his day with kind of um, serializing fiction and all that kind of stuff. I love the mm-hmm. idea of that writing, kind of um, breaking a, a novel down into into bits. Um, although kind of as an aside, I, I tried that with um, the most recent book that I published, a book called The Angel, and it's the first book I've ever written with a cliffhanger. I will mm-hmm. never, never do that again. Um, <laughs> I, have, I have got. I don't get bad reviews generally. I get some, obviously, everyone does. But uh, this one is really dividing the readership, um, and mm-hmm. I'm getting a lot of bad reviews. One star reviews saying, you know, basically saying, "You ripped me off. This isn't a book." Um, you know, despite the fact that it's pretty obvious in the in the blurb that it's Act One, it's not. It's not intended to be a, a kind of self-contained story. So I'll, I'll never do that again. Um, <laughs> so maybe maybe what I'd do is we could we could go out and have have dinner somewhere um, and 
Charles could tell me um, some some tips as to how I could keep my keep my readers on tenterhooks, but not piss them off too much. <laughs> I'd like to be a fly on the wall for that one. <laughs> Do you have any writers fetishes, uh, like a classic uh, first editions or weird collections of any type? Not really. Um, I do. Uh, when I started writing again, because uh, I took like a, as I said, a six or seven year break between my traditionally published books and then getting back into the saddle again, um, I collected obsessively um, kind of, because uh, the books I was writing, the, the Blackwell is the book that I kind of got back, came back with. And that's set in, in London in like late, well, during the Blitz and just after it. So um, for about two years, I didn't read anything that was outside of that period. So I got lots of kind of contemporary fiction. So people like Patrick Hamilton, Graham Greene, those kinds of guys. Um, and I was very keen to to get um, as near, you know, first editions, if I could find them at a reasonable price, and I, I'd, I'd get those kinds of books. Um, and and nonfiction too. So I, mean, I used to scour Amazon, anything that um, would be, um, or eBay, in fact, anything that was from that period that had authentic language that I could use because uh, I wanted everything to be just so and, mm-hmm. you know, even to the extent that I'd, I'd go to newspaper archives and check whether, if I was saying that it was raining on the 1st of December 1942, um, I, I wanted to be sure that it was raining. And that's, that's ridiculous. I don't recommend that for anybody. <laughs> it takes it takes an enormous amount of time to, to get that kind of stuff <laughs> right and no one cares. Um, so, yeah, that's 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 pretty um, nutty to do that, but yeah, I, I, I've got a. I'm just looking at it now. So I've got a kind of a big shelf here of, of stuff from seven to eighty years ago. We're you know, kind of quite hard to find books. Some of them that can be quite expensive to get, mm. but they they really helped me make that book um, as authentic as as I could possibly make it. Very cool. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So do you have any advice to your fellow writers on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? Um, yeah, I mean, I get, I get that quite a lot these days. So, I mean, um, I, people, new writers contact me quite a lot to say, hey, what, what should I do? Um, and the best advice is, is just, just do it, just write. Um, you know, you, you, you have to, if you, when you're starting out, I've got, as everyone, everyone does, I've got a, a drawer full of um, half-finished novels and novellas that were, weren't weren't finished for the simple reason that they were dreadful and they'll never come out of the drawer again but they did serve a purpose and that they enabled me to exercise my muscles my writing muscles and start to develop my voice be confident in my writing so if you're if you're starting out then the best advice is is no good saying I'd love to be a writer because uh, that is not going to pay the bills you've just got to sit down and write and even if that means you know, I get out of bed sometimes and I don't feel great um, or 
I don't really know what I want to write that day, but I will always sit down and I will always make sure that I actually do 500 words, which is not a huge amount when, when you actually sit down and think about it. As long as I've got something in the bank, then that day I have, I have written and that is, that's not a bad day provided that I've managed to do that. Mm. Um, but I do get it, it, you know, if, if I kind of prevaricate or procrastinate a bit too much and I'm not doing any writing, then that's when I start to get uh, antsy and irritated. Um, so, yeah, best advice is if you want to be a writer, you've got to prove it yourself and sit down and write. Fantastic. So uh, where can fellow scribes connect with you out there? Yeah, the, the best place, two places really. Um, there's um, markjdawson.com is, is where you can go to find out about my fiction. So I've got a kind of a, a, a infrequently updated blog there um, and with all the links to the books are there and there's um, free books that people can get if they want to sign up to my mailing list. Um, and for kind of marketing advice and uh, courses and stuff, I do a little bit of that these days and uh, I've got a site at selfpublishingformula.com uh, that people can get to. There's a Facebook course and a Twitter course um, for advertising and stuff like that um, that you can, you can find me there too. Yeah, absolutely. All very, very useful stuff. Thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. I had one final question for you about, uh, um, I, I understand that recently one of your um, books was optioned. Mm. Do you have any any desire to do screenwriting or kind of get into the uh, the actual adaptation of any of your work yourself? I did that once. Um, my first book was optioned by a, a, a producer over here and I did, I did adapt it. Um, and... It was okay, um, but I would say that writing a novel and writing a screenplay is a very different thing. Um, they're, they're two almost two different disciplines. Um, you know, you, you don't have quite as much space to stretch your legs for description, but you've got to focus more on the dialogue, which is fine because I love doing dialogue. That's 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 one of the things that I another good tip if you're if you're stuck and you don't know what to write, just write a conversation. Uh, have a couple of characters and just have them riff and see where it goes. So. Um, yeah, I would be interested in, in doing that, but at the same time, in mean, the producer who optioned—I can't say who it is, unfortunately—but the producer who optioned it is like super, super well known with a really, really big series behind them. Um, and I would kind of feel slightly out of place if I said if I was to insist that I did the first draft of the screenplay. I think they would probably tell me where to go with, with justification <laughs> because. That's not my. That's not my thing. I haven't proven myself in that field yet. But if they asked me to, they said, "Look, would you would you mind having a first pass at it?" I'd be all over that. I'd love to try it. Um, but yeah, one day maybe. One day. I mean, I've got enough uh, fiction ideas to keep me going for the next uh, couple of years. So I'll probably uh, concentrate on that for now. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. I really appreciate you uh, giving us some words of wisdom on the writer files. My pleasure. Thanks so much for joining me for this half of a tour through the writer's process. If you enjoy the Writer Files podcast, please subscribe to the show and leave us a rating or a review on iTunes to help other writers find us. For more episodes or to just leave a comment or a question, you can drop by writerfiles.fm. And you can always chat with me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. Talk to you next week.